Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm Ed Clementi, your host. Today, we're very fortunate to have a friend, actually, that I've known a while, but uh, Lisa Katz, she's the Senior Program Officer for Economic Vitality and Entrepreneurship for the William Davidson Foundation. Thanks for being on the show today, Lisa. I'm really happy to be here, Ed. It's good to see you. Well, I'm more happier than you, probably, because uh, I know you've done great things in your career, and I know you're doing a lot, you know, with the William Davidson Foundation, and... We kind of want to hear it. Let's start out with that a little bit. Um, You know, there's a lot of things I know the foundation does, but you could mention a broad stroke, but then your specifics kind of what you tell people you do too. Yeah. So uh, the William Davidson Foundation is a Jewish family foundation right here in Southeast Michigan. And the work that we do collectively is uh, threefold, really. Um, A lot of focus on Jewish life and culture here in Southeast Michigan, nationally, and even uh, in places like Israel. Uh, Mr. Davidson was Jewish and and uh, a strong supporter of the community and really wanting people to be able to explore their faith and um, a, a big advocate in all respects there. And we also do a lot here right in Detroit around public spaces and the arts. Uh, so trying to make sure that we have a real quality place for people to live uh, and play. And my area that I focus on is our economic vitality and entrepreneurship work. So I, I really think about jobs all the time. So where are the jobs coming from? Um, who's starting them? Who's growing companies? How do we connect people to those jobs? And even in the entrepreneurship space, there's a huge quality of life elements as we think about you know all the coffee shops and you know places to shop or places to eat or uh, just those conveniences of everyday life that you really do want in a community. So that's our work all together with me focusing on the jobs component. And I mean, you just didn't get there by accident. Let's uh, talk a little bit because I met you, I knew you probably originally not super well, but when I think I was either in the legislature or I might have known you before that when I ran a chamber of commerce, right? Before that. Thanks, Ellery. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's maybe back way back when I that was went. like last year, right? Very, very yeah. young. For yeah. some of us, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I I just remember that uh, your name has always been on the radar on different things and projects that I've worked on. But is, that's not officially, you were somewhere before the Detroit Regional Chamber, right? Were you? Yeah, um, you're making me go back too. So I um, I worked at Public Sector Consultants for oh, a Oh, that's bit right. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. In Lansing. Yeah. 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 And then I, I spent my one whole year away. Uh, studying overseas. And then I came back and um, started my job in Southeast Michigan here at the chamber. Yep. And then hit a couple, a couple other gigs after that too. And why don't, uh, where did you spend overseas, by the way? I'm always curious. I lived in Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, being a true, um, I'll say again, jobs, right? I'm always thinking about jobs and thinking about the economy. And um, I, I was a Latin American and Caribbean study specialist. I'd studied Spanish for eons, but I'd never practiced it 
Um, and that's really like immersive, immersive language is you, you have to go somewhere to really learn it well. So um, I had an opportunity to study anywhere in the world. I chose Argentina just in time for them to go through five presidents in a row and for their economy to to completely tank. So for an economic development perspective, it was a fascinating time, culturally always amazing. Um, but it was just one more thing that I got to do that helped me learn and, and bring some context back to the work I do here in Southeast Michigan. Were you in Buenos Aires or no? I was. Yeah. Yep. I was there. I was um, studying international economic development, but honestly, um, it was a cultural, it was a cultural scholarship that I had. I spent a lot of time uh, with musicians, actually. Uh, we actually brought a group together and recorded a music CD, which is one of the highlights of my of my life, actually. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I was down there for a short time, but I spent a lot of time in La Boca because my family spoke Italian growing up. And, you know, that's where all the Italians are. And I think the Pope is from that area, too, actually. Yeah, I don't know exactly where, but he is, yeah, from Argentina. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's get back a little bit to the 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 foundation because you also worked for Win, which was also a jobs related. So your career is kind of you're right. You you really stay focused in this sort of spectrum of workforce talent. Uh, tell people a little bit about Win too because I think that was an interesting organization as well. Yeah. So. Um... I mean, studying, going back from the Detroit Regional Chamber, my next stint was at a Corporation for a Skilled Workforce. And then um, there I was a consultant all over the country. And um, I really worked in communities that were experiencing some kind of, of economic transition. So maybe they were losing their major employer and they needed to figure out now what, you know, how do we repurpose all these talented people that we have for the next big thing? Like, what else can we do? Or sometimes they were gaining a new employer and um, they had to figure out like, okay, um, what what did the opportunities mean for our community? So actually, uh, I worked with Guam when they were absor- absorbing the marine base from o- Okinawa. And it was this question of, you know, there's going to be new construction and there are going to be uh, new military personnel here. You know, what what are the, the shops and amenities that they're going to want to buy from? And uh, so what are the contracting opportunities for us locally? What are the, um, the really high-end jobs that we can participate now in now that we have a military base? What does all of this mean for our community? Uh, so it's always been thinking that through. So I, I really had the luxury of, of doing that work all around the country, uh, a lot of times helping communities that were were uh, manufacturing communities say, okay, we, we just lost a ton of jobs because of trade or because um, the technology is shifting. Uh, it was always really fascinating work, and I never really appreciated how much it would apply to life here in Southeast Michigan. Like I said, I, I don't know if I mentioned I studied international trade and economic development. That's why I was in Argentina. And I always thought, well, I'll be overseas. And here I am to this day, lifelong Michigander, still in Michigan. So when I um, was after Corporation for a Skilled Workforce, um, I was the first and founding executive director of Workforce Intelligence Network. And the purpose there was to really understand it was like kind of during the um, the, the very beginning of the, the Great Recession and trying to understand uh, in the midst of this turmoil and the change that we are experiencing, what did that mean for jobs here? Um, you know, we've always had this, I'll, I'll say love and challenging relationship with automotive industry, you know, as they, they've undergone change that's meant change for our workers. Um, and of course, during the, that time period, 2000, 
well, I was there in 2011. Um, you know, there was quite a bit of quite a bit of turmoil, and so you know, we were losing engineers to other states. Uh, there was a huge narrative that there just aren't jobs in Michigan, and we used a lot of data information to say, you know what, there are actually a lot of jobs here. Um, there is opportunity in the state. We're just maybe not our skills are not necessarily matched up where the opportunities are, and so we did a lot of work to try to raise raise awareness of. Of what's happening in the job market, and to try to to you know, use that intelligence to create programs to get people trained in, say, software development. I mean, who knew that the number one job in manufacturing uh, would be a software developer? And so that's the kind of change that we're seeing, and that we really need to be able to prepare people for. Um, and I just I just have this natural um, again thinking about jobs in every respect. It's you know the people side of it, and and you know. What are the occupations that people should be thinking about that they should be working on? But then where do those jobs come from? And that's where the entrepreneurship side really comes in. Um, there are folks who do economic development. You know, they want to attract a big company and, you know, get those jobs here in, you know, in just a matter of time. Uh, entrepreneurship strategy is more of a long play. And some of it, like I said, can be neighborhood stabilization um, and some of it is, you know, what's what's that next big unicorn that's going to create a lot of jobs? Unicorn is like a really successful company that exits at a very high level um, that, that, you know, they they make a lot of money, but they can also create a lot of jobs in a community. So at one point, Amazon was a unicorn. Facebook, all of those you know, happening out on the, the coasts. How do we make that happen here um, so that we can transform uh, where our economy is going while leveraging what we have already? You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. How does, you know, a foundation work? Like a lot of people might not be that, you know, we hear them on every sort of commercial, they're sponsoring things and we hear about foundations, but how does the process actually work and how does that like, why did the Davidson is, you know, foundation want to get into it specifically? Yeah. So interestingly, Mr. Davidson was um, very interested. He was an entrepreneur himself, right? He he built a a, a large business that did work all over the world. And Guardian as, Glass, right? Back yep, then? Yep. Yeah. And it, even as he was uh, having his operations um, in all different marketplaces, you know, sometimes they were in Eastern European marketplaces. And this was during the Cold War. And so, you know, one of the questions that he asked was, um, how how do we help these countries, um, their economies as they transition from communism to capitalism? Yeah. And he, in his lifetime, founded the William Davidson Institute, which I actually studied at when I was at U of M, uh, to try to understand, like, what does it take to move an economy from one place to another? And so, um, so that's you know that's a way that you know a person in his lifetime was able to say okay I'm going to set up the shop I'm going to help contribute to um, helping uh, different countries do the um, make this transition. I met somebody who works there now who's uh, supporting um, some communities in Mexico. They're they're asking the same questions that we are. Um, you know we're going from internal combustion engine to electric vehicles. There's a lot of that supply chain in Mexico. What does that mean there? So. In his lifetime, he set up the William Davidson Institute. That's one way he could he could be a player in that space. Um, for us, 
um, you know, we're not a name that people hear necessarily every day. But in the space that I work in, I'm really thinking through uh, you know, what are the opportunities, again, for job creation? And what are the organizations that are out there that can help those founders and those entrepreneurs be successful in the work that they do? And importantly, um, you know, in that space, you know, a, a lot of times you'll people will think about entrepreneur and they immediately think of Mark Zuckerberg, you know, young white guy in a hoodie who lives out in California. <laughs> you know, that's the, we we have a lot more um, diversity in the people that live here. I'm not saying that saying California is not diverse, but I'm saying there are a lot of people who could be entrepreneurs. They don't all look like Mark Zuckerberg. And in fact, very often they're in their middle 40s. They've they've been around the block a few times. They've seen some problems and they have some insight in how do I address this? How can I start? How can I create a solution to this problem? Uh, we have, you know, the city of Detroit is one of the blackest cities in America. There's so much talent in that space. But what we find is that all of the the tools and instruments that are there to help entrepreneurs succeed aren't necessarily um, helping them. So when we think about you know venture capital, only three percent of that goes to women, uh, maybe less than that for people of color. They're they're not getting those resources. So as a foundation, we can ask those big questions like why not? Like why are, why are certain people not getting access to those resources? And for um, for businesses that we do want to see grow and thrive, uh, what, what are the resources that they need to be successful? So sometimes um, foundations are filling a role that, um, you know, maybe government sometimes plays, but maybe they can't. Like in our case, you know, we've had a lot of economic turmoil. Our, our cities have been strapped. Our, our state government's been strapped. Uh, so foundations can come in and say, okay, you know, we can create some breathing space. We can provide some thought leadership. We can fund some programs, um, see if they work. Um, and if they go well and they serve the right right populations in the right places, that serves a charitable purpose. And we can continue to support that work. So I know um, you've actually supported other organizations to help you do that work too, right? Like, okay. So you're, what is your sort of ecosystem that you guys work with to help support? Because I mean, a foundation, I think, is more to not, you know, give people fish. It's to teach them how to fish, right? So how are you doing that? So we have, um, you know, just like any good investor, and <laughs> we have we have a portfolio, right? Like we, we make a, um, different bets that align with uh, the funding, you know, the, the mission and purpose that we have as an organization. You know, we don't have infinite dollars. We have to make choices. And so... We try to find those organizations that we think are going to be most effective at helping us achieve that mission. Um, and you know, every foundation is a little different. They might, they might, some might focus very much on on just the city of Detroit. We focus in Southeast Michigan, and sometimes if that touches all of Michigan, it's okay as long as you know there's a good benefit that comes to our region. Um, so when we think about that. Um, you know, we have we have friends, right? We have other people in different foundations that care about some of the same things we do, and sometimes we'll partner with them on on different initiatives that we all agree can help move the needle. So, a great example of that is something that many of your listeners have probably heard of, which is the New Economy Initiative, which was started way back in 2007 when a, a big group of funders came together and they said, okay. Um, yet another automotive crisis in our community, another major economic crisis. 
um, we need to shake things up. We need to do things differently. We need to diversify. And so they came together. And at that time, a bunch of organizations that we were not even a, a foundation yet uh, put in $100 million to, to help with innovation, uh, talent, and entrepreneurship. Those were the three big goals of NEI. Fast forward, uh, NEI is still around today. That its, its role has shifted. It's very much focused just in the city of Detroit. And it's focused on um, small business and what we call micro enterprise, which are very small businesses, maybe 10 or fewer employees. Uh, it's very place-based. They're looking at growing, um, helping to support entrepreneurs directly in neighborhoods. And the, the beauty of that is that now you can see true impact. And we've invested in NEI in that formation in a slightly earlier formation really to try to help stabilize neighborhoods and create different job opportunities there, partnering with, with several others um, in the community to do that work. But because we have a strong partner like NEI that's focused in neighborhoods, um, that has allowed us to invest in them while we say, okay, what's the next big thing? Um, what are the next big things really that could happen in Southeast Michigan? Uh, the next duo securities, the next Rivian's, uh, so we've been really heavily thinking through uh, what about those growth, uh, high growth, high tech businesses like Starbucks isn't necessarily high tech, but they were transformative, right? They were high growth. They they changed the way we think about coffee. So what are those opportunities here in our region that can um, really create jobs at scale, uh, create opportunity at scale in our community? And so that's what we're that's a, a big chunk of what we do today. Um, yeah, and just so you know, a while back, you probably didn't know, we interviewed Wafa Dinero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, she's been a friend of mine since my legislative days. And I should also mention, I was on the banking and uh, finance committee during the, the crash of 2007 and 2008 in the legislature. And I know exactly everything you were talking about because I actually brought in Dave Egner back then to testify in one of my committees to uh, talk about the new economy initiative when it was just starting out. It was kind of interesting, even then, because it was such a novel idea back then to think about that. Um, so so a couple more questions just to, you You sort of touched on this a couple of times, but is there any other like sort of uh, trends or even partners that you want to work with beyond what you've already mentioned? A couple other things you want to bring up? Yeah. So um, one of the things, there are a couple of things we've done in the last year. Um, first of all, it came as a surprise to almost everyone when a, a, a global organization called Startup Genome came out and said, hey, Detroit, um, did you know Detroit being kind of like a, a 50, 50 or 60 mile area around the city, including Ann Arbor, did you know that you're the number one emerging entrepreneurship ecosystem in the world? So that means we're not established. We're not we're not in Silicon Valley. We're not in New York. We're not in Boston. There are a lot of organizations that are out or communities that are outperforming us. But of the ones that are really growing quickly, we were we were top on their list of a hundred. And we we looked at that and we said, "Wow, we we didn't really realize that was a thing uh, that we were in that space." And so we worked with them. We commissioned them to say, "Okay, well, well what would it take to get us off from that emerging list and onto that established list?" And so they they um, talked to a bunch of our founders. They did roundtables. They did surveys. They did um, data analysis, and they put together um, a report that basically said, you know, we have 
um, different strengths and weaknesses in our community. Uh, in, when it comes to our startups, we uh, need more early stage funding. Uh, our startups are in the Midwest. They tend to be a little conservative. They need to think bigger. They need to think globally. Um, they we're really good. Our startups, our founders are really connected to one another. They help each other a lot, but partly that is because they, they don't rely on our institutions as much uh, because our institutions are really set up for small business, for those, those smaller uh, entrepreneurs or community-based entrepreneurs that I, that I mentioned, less for the big, the big growth companies. So that's part of the work that we've been thinking through. And what we found is that there's a lot of stuff that the state um, from a policy perspective, could take on to move the needle, not just for the Detroit area, but for the entire state, for Traverse City, Marquette, Grand Rapids, um, all of which are really interested in positioning um, in different ways as tech hubs around the state. We've seen um, Ohio just double down time and time again on that type of strategy. And really their major metropolitan areas are, are seeing massive benefits from that. So Part of that is how can we invest differently um, in an economic development strategy that's more grassroots, but high impact. Then the other thing that we've been really keeping an eye on is federal funding. So um, one of the things I was able to do is partner with the Detroit Regional Partnership and many, many, many others on the Build Back Better grant. We were able to secure 52 million uh, for the region to support uh, new new opportunities in mobility, talent, entrepreneurship, supply chain transition, site development, um, you know, several different strategies in that space. Well, that was the tip of the iceberg. We know that there's a lot more federal funding coming our way, to, um, not necessarily to Michigan's way, but in general through competition um, that could mean hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more, for our state all around technology change. Uh, and the need to be more innovative and um, to support uh, more diverse businesses. And so um, that's something that I've been really following and I think is really thematic with the work that we've been doing over the years. Yeah, I think will be a huge opportunity. And I think the real threat in both of those spaces, whether you're talking about you know, the startups, those you know, companies that I talked about or these federal funding opportunities, the number one thing is technology change. You know, that's why you know, I, I will never stop thinking about jobs because technology is always affecting you know, the world of work and what we do um, and, and the companies that we'll need or the solutions that we'll need uh, or the solutions that could just help us. So for me, I'm, I'm always thinking about technology and what does that mean um, when it comes to business growth and development and when it comes to the work that people do. Yeah, I always tell people jobs, roads, and just the economy are things you're never going to solve. They're like things that are going to always be evolving and improving and getting worse, you know, so you constantly have to monitor it all the time, like a patient almost, you know. Um, the other last couple of questions, one is, what would you give yourself if you could talk to your 17-year-old self before you went down to Argentina? Like, what would you tell yourself career-wise or somebody today would you think they should get into? Yeah, I mean, that's it's always a challenging question because um, we're all so different. We all have different interests and passions. And the lucky, those of us um, who are really lucky find those things that we're both good at and that align with our passions and that are in demand. There aren't that many um, 
jobs in, you know, <laughs> innovation strategy and job creation. You know, <laughs> right. I just got really lucky. Um, but I also happen to love that space. And so there's there's that. Um, but I think in general, um, almost every job that I can imagine going forward is going to require some level of digital literacy. We we talk about reading and, and writing and math. And I think absolutely we all need to know those fundamentals. We all need to be able to communicate. But the thing that's going to drive change over and over again is is going to be um the in in that digital space. You know, we think about um healthcare, we have electronic medical records now. We have tools that can do um diagnostics using artificial intelligence. If you drive a truck, you have all the the materials and supplies in your truck that's kept on an electronic manifest that you use when you're crossing the border. Uh, almost every job that we can think of these days requires some type of acumen um, in that space. Even if we're selling things, if you think about Etsy and eBay or Amazon, we computers are everywhere. And I know it seems like kind of a cliche, but not everyone has access to um, to, to quality broadband, that everybody has access to to good computers that everyone knows how to use them well. Gosh, even music. You think about music these days. You, there's electronic music that people are 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 able to make sounds with their computers. They're able to mix it together. You name it. Like people need to understand these things. Um, so if I went back, <laughs> I would really, um, I would I would want to become much more savvy in my ability to uh, manipulate those spaces and not just be a clunky user of them. So you want to be a producer and music. get back to your music phase. <laughs> I mean, create some more CDs. Super fun. It was super <laughs> fun. I I highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. So the, the last thing is real quick is uh, what do you like best about living in Michigan, even though you've lived around the world? Well, I I mean I, I'm a lifelong Michigander. I I obviously didn't get too far for too long. Um, you grew up in the West Side, didn't you? I did. I'm a Dutch girl from the West Side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I do love Michigan. Um, I'm a swimmer. I love, I mean, who doesn't love the lakes? You know, you go and you see those. I absolutely love them. But, you know, I, I think the thing that, you know, beyond the, the, the beautiful um, natural amenities that we have, the hiking and the biking and I'm a, an outdoors person, I love all those things. I love the parks, uh, the different cultures that we have and, you know, throughout our different communities where you can almost be in different parts of the world just by, you know, driving a little ways. Um, but what I really love is our potential. Um, you know, we have so many great things to build on. Uh, we do have a manufacturing base that is really critical to thinking about deep tech or connected products or, you know, the things that are really going to, um, you know, be there in the, for us in the future in different ways. And, if we play our cards right, if we're smart and strategic, you know, we we can create um, really amazing opportunities for people here so that they can not just play here like I enjoy, um, but work here and, and really have great quality lives here. And I am really excited about that potential. Well, thank you again. I want to thank our guest, Lisa Katz. She's the Senior Program Officer for Economic Vitality and Entrepreneurship at the William Davidson Foundation. And I appreciate, Lisa, you taking time to chat with us today and keep up the good work. I know it's pretty exciting where you are, but thanks again for doing the podcast. Thanks, Ed, for asking and take care of yourself. And hopefully we'll see you around soon. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. 
Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion. 